0: Get your quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust progressive progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: That's right here on this Thursday morning. It is a Halloween edition of Taz and the Moose with you as the Washington Nationals are your world series champions game seven victors as we walk aboard right now, David Sampson, Nothing personal is his new podcast, CBS Sports HQ, MLB analyst, former Marlins president, executive. Hey, David, Taz in the Moose with you. Thanks for a couple minutes this morning.
0: Dave, what's up? Hey, good morning, guys. How are you?
1: All right. Hanging in there, Dave. Hanging in there. I mean, what a magical run. You know, what a magical run here for the Washington Nationals uh, to be crowned World Series champs.
0: I'm really happy for them, and and I'm happy – I'm depressed this morning because, A, I'm exhausted, but, B, there's no baseball now until March. Well, and
2: you're getting your podcast on now, but you have a ton of content. You could just drop in your podcast.
0: Oh, listen, I can't wait to get going. Uh, it's been three weeks on the show, and there's always stories. It's like the shows write themselves. There's so much business going on, and it really is nothing personal, and I love it. Is it, it I we- let, me actually, let me ask you a question. Dave, let
2: me, is it a weekly yes. deal? Is it a weekly podcast, or how often are you doing
0: it? No, it's every day, Monday to Friday. It drops around 5 p.m. I take any trending story, anything going on. Like yesterday, I talked about Baker Mayfield and what he did in his press conference or Jamal Adams and some of his quotes, even though he's got a new one today. I'll talk baseball, basketball, anything that's interesting. I review movies or TV shows every day. Wow. So sort of anything that's interesting, uh, give it a try. Uh, People are subscribing and listening, and it's becoming a bit of a conversation piece, and I'm enjoying it.
1: How How long are you going with the podcast?
0: Uh, it's forty-five minutes. Gotcha. Every Monday, all, every Monday to Friday. There you
2: go. That's great. Yeah, I, I used to do a daily show too, like that. But uh, I was doing with video. But it's it's a lot of work. It's fun. It's a lot of it's great. And uh, yeah, and,
0: we do a video. It's on CBS Sports HQ as well, and it's on YouTube every day. So the full forty-five minute video podcast is available as well. And you're right, it's a lot of work. It's hours and hours. The the most preparation you can ever do for a show is to make it look like it's not prepared.
2: That's exactly right. And I was the master of that. There uh, anyway, I digress. <laughs> but yes.
1: So, <laughs> and, well, David, all the success yeah, for you. Yeah, no and, doubt. And sounds like sounds fun. That sounds fun. That's real awesome. Good. Yeah. Um, you know, for, Thank for, you, for, for the Nats here, though, David, uh, you know, they had to go through a lot of pain to get here uh, and a lot of disappointment, a lot of October failures here. What about uh, what the Nats accomplished here and how this World Series played out with every game being decided with the road team coming out victorious?
0: Well, let me start on the second point and tell you that's why I didn't sleep much last night because I spent a lot of time when I was in baseball for those 18 years talking about home field advantage, the importance of home field advantage, how to make regular season games matter more, how to keep attendance going up if possible by keeping even teams with huge leads in their division like a Houston, playing competitive games in September in order to get home field advantage? What if now it doesn't matter? What if all of a sudden players and teams realize that, listen, I don't need to expend that much energy because I can win on the road just as easily? That's a major thing that if, that if what happened this year becomes a trend, that's going to really impact baseball.
2: Yeah, hey, David, you know, Moose and I were talking earlier about, you know, we were a little, a little surprised that, you know with Hinch that he didn't go to Cole in the 7th. Uh, your thoughts on that?
0: Yeah, I'm not surprised at all. Um, while I said on my podcast, it was my wait to see that Cole needs to pitch in that game. And uh, I'm not surprised, right? He's a free agent. His agent is Scott Boris. That tells you all you need to know about him, the player. And uh, he wants the money, and he was going to get the money anyway. If I'm the Astros, I've got to pitch him no matter what. But A.J. Hinch prepared me for it. He said during a press conference two days ago or yesterday, I don't want to get him hurt. I want him to go into free agency as healthy as he can be. I've never heard of such a thing. I want rings. That's all I care about. And that's all that should matter. So it was a disappointing pitching move that smelled a lot like um, both money and analytics. Well, I
1: agree, and and that's the point that uh, that Taz and I were making earlier on the show, David. Is this? I mean, how do you go with Will Harris to walk to Soto? Rendon shot two-one lead. He talks about the fact he doesn't want to put him in down. I get that, but still, having being three-two down is better than losing the game six-two and going to other relievers. How do you not have to go to Cole there in that scenario? But what's going to haunt the Astros though, David? Is you know. Th- Basically, the small village they left on the bases early on in the game, it was not vintage Max Scherzer. They left nine guys on base in the first five innings. They could not get a clutch big hit if their life depended on it. They had every opportunity to blow that game wide open early.
0: Yeah, I mean, we talk about what you do with runners in scoring position. Over the course of a season, analytically and sort of and not even anecdotally, runners in scoring position average is generally going to be your team average. Over the course of a season, but in a small seven game sample size, you can go five for 50. And in one game, you can go one for 12. And that is baseball. That is the most frustrating part about being in the front office. You can't do anything about it. You're sitting there, you're screaming inside and sometimes outside. And when you just don't get the clutch hit or a little blooper to drop in, or a ground ball two inches to the left that's a base hit instead of a double play, it's very frustrating.
2: Yes, no doubt. Uh, David, uh, talk about Juan Soto. We, we're a big fan of him here, obviously, like a lot of people are. I mean, uh, at this young age, just turning 21 years old, talk about the greatness of this kid, or unless, you, unless you disagree, or just your breakdown of him as a player and what he could be going forward.
0: So I was lucky enough to be with Miguel Cabrera in the World Series when he was 20 years old, and watching – Someone who we knew would turn into a Hall of Famer, which made trading him so unhappy and so sad for for what we had to do to do it at that time. And I I view sort of Miguel as the greatest right-handed hitter I saw. And I spent time around Vladimir Guerrero and Pujols and some great, great players over my career, Manny Ramirez. But Juan Soto feels like that to me. Um, He loves the game, and that counts. Not every player you'd be shocked to know loves playing baseball. Even some of the superstars don't actually love the game. It's their job, and that's similar to the, the world we're in, right? Some of us love what we do. Of course. And some yeah, of us just yeah. do it. Yep. Um, Juan Soto loves to play baseball, and he's going to keep getting better, and he could be sort of that lefty generational hitter, and uh, he's got to just keep doing it for a lot of years the way Miguel did from the right side.
1: Um, David, uh, you know, I asked you about the Nats and, and this is, you know, both teams. I mean, they're going to look, Cole's going to be gone. And he was talking in the past tense after the game last night from the Strohs. We know that. And maybe he ends up in Southern California and, and pitching close to home. This Nats team could look a lot different as well, because I mean, odds are people don't believe they're going to be able to resign Rendon. And Strasbourg is also one that's going to opt out of the four years, hundred million dollars. So, I mean, this might have been the last go around for this Nat team for a little bit of time here, having to replace potentially two huge cogs to this World Series title.
0: Yeah, I mean, they had they they smartly let Harper go, and and we knew that that would be addition by subtraction. And they had Rendon as sort of the superstar, and you know Zimmerman is just the emotional leader, but not the superstar anymore. You lose Rendon, you want Soto to step up to that, but he's going to be 21, 22 years old. I still think he's a few years away from being that, but he's certainly a core piece. And in terms of pitching, you're expecting Strasburg to opt out, but you signed Corbin, and he's got that long-term deal. And you've still got Sanchez for another year. You know, they need to be a team of destiny again. I don't think they have what it takes to be a dynasty, which is what Houston was trying for, but it turns out that being a team of destiny matters more than being a team of dynasty.
2: David, I'm a big Mets fan here, right? So, how's well, this thing going to shake out with the manager spot. You know, I was hoping to get Girardi. Obviously, he's with the Phils now.
0: Like, what What, what's, what goes on here? Come bro? on, man. You actually <laughs> thought there was a chance I that Girardi was going to work with Jeff Wilpon? Come I, on. I, 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 did.
2: <laughs> I,
0: uh, we I did. We were hopeful. We were hopeful. It was the best guy on the oh. market,
1: though, David. I mean, you look at it. That would have been a home run hire from the Mets. I mean, it really would have been bringing Girardi aboard, No.
0: Listen, I'm hopeful I can run a two-and-a-half-hour marathon, but then I sort of wake up and realize I'm not 6'4 with long legs. You can do it. <laughs> <laughs> you can do it. Well, where, you know, Dave, where are they going to go here?
1: Uh, you know, to play off that, you know, Bogar, the the first base coach for the Nats, is going to interview, I guess, tomorrow, his third and, and final interview for this managerial job. We've heard some of the finalists. We've heard Chaz and I have joked around about there being this, quote-unquote, bombshell candidate for the Mets. Where do you think the Mets end up going here?
0: Yeah, so first of all, let's take that away. There's no more bombshell anything in sports anywhere because there's leaks everywhere. There's no secrets anywhere. So I don't buy into the bombshell because I tried to create some bombshells over my 18 years, and it just got harder and harder with Twitter and social media and not being able to control the news cycle with having sort of a print deadline you know, at midnight. So I don't think that'll happen. I think the Mets are going to go cheaper and more, and less experienced. They're going to, because why would you pay a manager four to five, to $6 million when you can pay him half a million dollars, especially sort of with Brody Van Wagenen to him? He wants to be in control along with Jeff and Fred, and you can't have someone in the managerial seat who believes that he's in control. And that's what you have with Girardi and with Showalter, et cetera. So, it's, it's it, This was obvious from the beginning how this search was going to go. Do I think it's going to be Eduardo Perez? I had him as a hitting coach. I think he'd make a fine manager, not splashy. He can communicate with his players. I don't know that he's got a World Series pedigree, but I think that your real problem with the Mets, if we're going to talk about it, really sits in the GM seat, not in the manager seat.
1: Uh, so you're not a fan of Van Wagenen. You think he's a problem?
0: I don't think agents can be can run baseball teams, right? It's not just because... Uh, You know, I could run a baseball team, but I couldn't be an agent. And I don't know that agents could run a baseball team. I think that it it takes a a level of um, understanding of how to have so many different parts working at the same time, pointing in the same direction. When you're an agent, all you care about is your player and getting your player the most money possible. That's sort of your singular job. And when you're a GM, you you have to manage up to your owners. You have to manage down to your manager and players. You have hundreds of employees following your lead, working for you. It's a totally different scenario, and I just don't think that that was a smart hire. And I think at the end of the day, he's not going to be long for New York.
1: David Sampson, uh, former executive with the Marlins, a CBS Sports HQ MLB uh, analyst, and also check out his new podcast, Nothing Personal, drops at 5 o'clock each and every day. Hey, David, thanks again for the time this morning. We appreciate it.
0: Thanks, David. Hey, it's always fun. Have a great day, guys.